Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This could be our, like, most exciting moment of After Checkered Flag yet. I think Really? Like, well, mm, that's an overstatement. <laughs> but essentially, we are recording an episode the week of the Monaco Grand Prix, the crown jewel in F1's calendar. I don't think you can still say that, by the way, because of Vegas. But anyway, we'll come back to that in a second. <laughs> but what was the crown jewel? <laughs> and we are... What do you think we are? Five kilometers away? Throw, yeah, I'd I mean, say. if we, if we yeah. really angle our necks, we can see Monaco yeah. out of the window of your hotel room. And the sun is shining. The Doesn't get much better than that. So yes, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, a special episode of our Checker Flag where Paul and I are here in Monaco the week of the Grand Prix. Um, now, we're actually here for some separate reasons. Uh, you'll probably find out more in the main Behind the Glass episode, which oh, yeah, that's we'll true. be on live a few days ago. If you're listening to this, if you're on Recast, well, you're legends because you're getting early access. <laughs> yeah. You're getting the inside scoop that, yeah, Paul and I are here are separate reasons. But we are here, as I say, at the, at the week of the Grand Prix. And... Well, stuff has been happening, firstly. It's been kicking off. The circuit has been put together. If you drive around Monaco at the moment... Well, you the- feel like a Formula One driver. Oh, my God. I was on the on the start-finish straight yesterday, Sunday yeah. afternoon. Yeah. It was quiet. I had the whole thing to myself, and I was like, I'm going to line up yeah. and I'm launch gonna, it. Yeah, I was going, I'm going to do a launch control from the, P1. I remembered I had a five-month-old baby at the back. <laughs> I just very slowly pulled away. I'm sure <laughs> she would have loved she it. She would have loved it, actually. She's been well into the cars. Uh, we'd be sitting at some cafes, and you just hear, like, like A45s and RSTs, and she's like... <laughs> like looking around very inquisitively um but yeah so beyond that we've seen various team trucks arriving from imola awkward let's come back to that i guess mm. lots of things we're going to be coming back to in this episode um <laughs> and we've seen drivers oh. and team personnel around and about town because as, as i guess most of us know uh so many drivers live here in monaco past and present uh, as do team principals mainly toto wolf um <laughs> and because there was no imola grand prix well, they were just hanging around and chilling. <laughs> I'm not sure they had that much to do. Apparently not. And Emily wasn't that far away. I can imagine, actually, a lot of the drivers and personnel that live down here hadn't even travelled to Emily yet. So they probably just, just stayed in and around the area, not, not knowing whether they were going to be racing or not. And then as soon as the F1 sort of made the decision, this isn't going to happen, they were like, cool. I kind of just carry on playing FIFA. Yeah. I'm sure that's what they all do. <laughs> or walking on the broadwalk, as I've seen Toto Wolf doing about five times. I think he's very well. I get the feeling he struggles to sit around and not do very much because he's been yeah. on a lot of walks with Susie Wolf. Like we've both seen him <laughs> yeah, like I know. five or six times. It's like, and he, yesterday I saw him and he just went 
into the shop underneath his apartment block because it, it, Monaco is a very small place. Yeah. And everyone kind of knows where some of these more recognisable people live and it's well discussed and also because you see them come out and get to cut. Anyway, so right under his block is this very nice beach promenade that they did up a few years ago and there's various restaurants and like two shops like two shops <laughs> i would assume he's been in those shops quite a <laughs> yeah. few times but he genuinely yesterday looked like a tourist went into for a browse yeah, they were strolling along not lawrence strolling along oh. but they were they were <laughs> that's my first <laughs> f1 pun of the day um and yeah, just like, like oh, let's, let's go in the shop and see if they've got anything new this week. <laughs> yeah, that is like, quite a strange activity to do, isn't it? Super last thing I expected from <laughs> yeah. him. But I get the feeling he was like, I don't know what to do with myself when I'm not at a Grand Prix. Yeah, it, mu- it must be weird because it is such a consuming job. It's a lifestyle. It's not a job like that you can check out of. And I think when you're in the situation that Toto Wolf is, where let's be honest, if he was any other director, he would have been ousted by the team already. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, of the for poor sure. performance. For, yeah, in, for in sure. Commas not just the, not just the poor performances, but if you think he's the one that's bearing the responsibility for all of the decisions that have been made to still be running around in a car that they don't understand it. It's kind of like a new manager coming into, let's say, Manchester it's, it's City. It's a football reference, guys. Always it's a football four, reference. Four minutes, 45 seconds. <laughs> football reference. And you throw in a, a new manager at Manchester City, like this high-flying team that almost can do no wrong with the best team, with loads of money spent, and then all of a sudden have a terrible se- A little bit like Chelsea, actually. I know you're a Chelsea football fan. Well, that's the one team you could have referenced <laughs> yeah. that I would half understand. But okay, let's bring it back to F1. This yeah. is a theoretically F1 podcast. Yeah. Uh, even though it's not very good. With one. the odd football yeah. reference. Sometimes tennis. Apart from Ferrari, it's not a very popular thing within Formula One to chop and change team principles that often. We 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 have fairly stagnant team principles. It does happen. Yeah, there's a little bit of movement. I I just I feel like um, he he obviously has overseen a lot of decisions that have been made that actually have been the wrong decisions. And I mean, this is such a punchy start to the episode. I'm going to title this, Should Mercedes Fire Toto Wolf? I mean, he owns the team, so I don't think it's possible. But that's also, uh, I feel, a problem. A conflict of interest. Yeah. It's a bit like when Claire Williams, and this is so tough because I don't know Claire, mm. and I love Williams, but I'm going on what other people have said in other news outlets. Claire refused to fall on her own sword. It seemed like she overstayed her welcome slightly, and maybe as much as she'd taken the reins on from her father and it was an iconic role and all these things like that, maybe she wasn't best placed to run the team at that time. Yeah. And everyone was telling her and she was a bit like, but I'm Claire Williams. Yeah. Which, good point, Claire. (laughs) Um, And and look, this is obviously, if you look at Toto Wolff's reign across Mercedes, all of the incredible things that he has done, this is just a a, a tiny slip up. But I think in in a lot of other sports, by this point, he would have been punted out and then tried to get someone else in. Yeah, I guess it's the owner of the team part that's that's stopping that from happening. And then you feel, if if this is 
all he it, this is what he lives and breathes like it's really hard for him to switch off unless he's popping into his local shop for a, yeah. a, a browse of the local the, the towels the new pot it was, like a, like, it was like a really boho like beachy oh, kind no, of, you know, so I'm imagining him looking around those little twisty things at all of the new postcards that have just oh, been no. <laughs> it wasn't that bad no, no, it wasn't no. that bad I suppose was, Monaco was, don't have those shops no basically not <laughs> oh, but yeah I kind of feel like if he's just sat at home not doing anything he's probably getting quite itchy feet but I cannot side with with you here on the whole he should have been fine it's it, this shows you watch too many other sports and how fickle other sports are <laughs> yeah because, maybe <laughs> okay yes we're looking at the start of another very bad year for mercedes but we're going to get into the fact god add it to the list um <laughs> this huge upgrade package is coming um but but Look at Christian Horner. He endured, theoretically, 20, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, five or six years of Red Bull uncompetitiveness. Williams and their downfall. McLaren. I mean, you know, it's not, consistency is key. And even if you look back at the rise of dominant periods, Red Bull, Mercedes, prior to that, Ferrari, even sort of Honda slash Braun with Ross Braun and then way back to the McLaren era. Like you need time to build a team. There's hundreds and hundreds of people to put in place uh, a work ethic, uh, an ideology to bring people into that team. There's gardening leave. There's all these things. You just heard that Mercedes tried to poach Adrian Newey from Red Bull. Like, And this chops and changes and that takes years for Adrian Newey to suddenly join a team it would take him a number of years to get up yeah. to speed and see oh, his results on a car. And I do think if, I mean, who would fire Toto Wolf? Like he would have to just step back himself, right? There wouldn't be anyone above him that goes, you are now. I know that there's probably head honchos at Mercedes, as in like the well, entire they're, it, Daimler. It's Toto Wolf one third, Jim Ratcliffe one third of Ineos fame. Yep. And I think Mercedes the other third, I believe. Yeah, okay. But I thought Toto and Jim maybe increase slightly and Mercedes have even dropped below a third but I think it's a third a third a third okay so, so but you like, do have the day yeah but even if he was to leave and okay yeah I will put the blame on a lot of Mercedes downfall in the last two seasons on him and I think he would take that wow but I also think if wow. he left <laughs> wow. the whole team would fall apart the, like, uh, Lewis I, would then be like, all right, I'm not hanging. I think Lewis is hanging around because of Toto. Wolf. But do you not remember that a few years ago when there was kind of talk of them both sort of going and, and my sporting reference, because I consume sport via Netflix, uh, <laughs> like 99% of the world, I think, the Michael Jordan yeah, the documentary, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. last... The last dance. Thank you. Yeah. And his coach, Phil Jacks, Phil... Jack, Phil Ooh, yeah, that's... Phil? Yeah, Phil. 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 Yeah, a bit, bit like Mike. Probably called Dave, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They were kind of in it together. As yeah. in like, we've had the success together. We'll only do it together. Mm. I'm only coming back if he's there type thing. Or I'm only staying if he's there. And I think Lewis and Toto had that vibe at that time. Yeah. Does that continue to this day? Who knows? I think Obviously you've got the, the upcoming of George, who's kind of Toto's little beloved, you know, yeah. prodigy. Uh, and so, yeah. Hey, I don't think they would necessarily need to leave at the same time now. A bit like Schumacher, Todd and Braun. But uh, you could see it. And at some point, Toto Wolff's going to go, yeah, for sure. He has but to, yeah. In the interviews I read about him at that time, he was saying that his one of his real true loves is finance and business. And yes, he might want to go back to that at some point. But the finance of sport and mm. the competitiveness of a race team 
is for him intoxicating and that's what obsesses him. So yeah. let's see, but let us know your thoughts below. Should, oh my God. Should Toto Wolf <laughs> be fired from us? I mean, Paul, with all the So, with Imola being cancelled, we, mm. we we haven't yet seen... Oh, I know, yeah. Well, Toto Wolff's potential saving grace. Yeah, yeah. This, the could, upgrade this, package. Could, this could save his job. <laughs> so, let's get into Imola first. Obviously, I think we all acknowledge the right call to cancel oh, the race. We were talking about it when F1 were trying to oh. continue, and you just were... It was unbelievable... The, they were even trying so many times history has shown to us that f1 is all about the money mm. and there have been so many times when races should have been called off should have been cancelled and they are determined not to do so because of the money aspect yeah. and this looked to be one of those situations and mm. i think the whole world was like please don't make this mistake yeah. again please yeah. don't make this mistake again and i think it's only because of the increased global media attention that formula one has these days i mean i, I also think the, the weather conditions were extreme. That I don't a, think it physically could have gone ahead. They couldn't have got to the track. No, it would have stage. had to have been boats, I think. But I think Formula racing. 1 would have tried. I, th- I genuinely think at times Formula 1 would have tried. Yeah. Or at least like closed doors, like we're not open to the public. We're going to r- still run the event. Like they yeah. are that money obsessed yeah. and cancelling a race brings into so many questions money and potential losses for Formula One. Of course. They were looking for any way for that event to go ahead. But yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, it, it was uh, uh, a phenomenon, phenomenal, phenomenon event. Anyway, freak phenomena. There we go. And a, a natural disaster. A natural disaster. One that Sebastian Vettel predicted just for the wrong Grand Prix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen lots of photoshopped images where they changed that t-shirt. He said Miami 20, uh, to, whatever it was, first Imola. race underwater. They were changed to Imola. Um, so he had a point. But yeah, look, for whatever reasons, these uh, horrific floods and massive rainfall, which have made their way over. I have to say the, the dodgy weather we've been experiencing here, it must be the side or the edges oh. of the storms that have been passing through that region of Italy, which is really not far from here. We're so Six hours away or something like that? It's not far. And on the drive down through the mountains, I experienced some some real torrential rain that is so freak. It is so infrequent that you think, oh my God, this rain is literally going to crack my windscreen. It's going to come through. And honestly, the roads started within, I'd say five or 10 minutes of the rain starting, had rivers going down the road. Wow. So it was a relatively sketchy time. And um, we did see like a, a pretty a recent accident on the other side of the motorway. And I was like, I'm, I'm just going to have to re- like, just pull the speed back. Everyone it's was crazy. doing sort of 30, 40 miles an hour on the motorway because it was, it was really aggressive. So yeah, it would have been, it was horrendous to think how much they would have had in Italy because some of the, some of the scenes and videos were, were pretty, yeah, yeah. Pretty of crazy. course we have a, we have a good Italian audience. So of course, uh, I think goes without saying, um, thought thoughts are with anyone mm. in that region, or anyone affected. It's, it's also nice to see the F1 community come together in a way to help support, yeah. raise money. I saw they were doing like, whether it was iRacing or there was definitely some some Twitch streaming going on. Max and Lando were at the helm of their simulators to uh, to try and raise as much money as possible. Yuki for those was on regions. the ground with a shovel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yuki. So yeah. yeah, no, F1 actually doing good when yeah. historically, I think if Bernie was still in place, they would have done bad. Yeah. Like if, <laughs> if Ben Exton was still there, they would have raced somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but it's meant that we had... Well, yeah, we missed a race mm. in a 3,000 race long year. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of teams are like, phew. Yeah. 
But we missed the chance to see a lot of big upgrade packages, theoretically, that had been rumoured. So we know Mercedes, they're not calling it a B-spec car because I think they're nervous to call it a B-spec car in case it doesn't deliver the results. But they're calling it a major upgrade. It's the pods, side pods. Side pods, I think, are huge. But there's various other things that they're talking about, maybe suspension changes, okay. floor changes. I guess we'll find out in a couple of days when they release the full list. So by the time you're listen- listening to this, you probably would have already known or maybe even seen the Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so, so th- that's still to come. Uh, I think Ferrari, Ferrari also had yep. big upgrades. Aston Martin, we spoke about this briefly off air. We came out saying Hmm. we actually don't see any big flaws with our car so we're just going to just keep improving it yeah they basically said the only way it's not like there is one particular element of the car or the way that that car drives that they're able to improve it's almost like across the board it's pretty good so they're saying the only way for them to get closer to Red Bull is actually just to focus on improving all of the areas. It wasn't like we just we just need to get the the rear wing back up to speed so that we can really get them in the straights and in the DRS. So yeah, they've kind of come out and said, hey, we've we've actually got a really great car, but therefore, where do we go from here? That's how I read it. Mm. I read it as actually a bit of a a, a bad omission omission. Admission? Admission. Admission. Thank you. God. <laughs> um, that was like, maybe we're kind of almost at, at max potential. Mm. Like it's by saying, you know, the, the car's great. Like we're just going to just slowly improve it. Meanwhile, Mercedes is like, well, we're bringing basically a B-spec car. Ferrari like, we're almost bringing a B-spec car. Red Bull, we know just absolutely demolishing in terms yeah. of development. It kind of makes you think that Aston Martin could be a bit of a sitting duck in the development race, but maybe they're just being genius. Maybe they're not. I mean, they're clearly they're, probably the second fastest car out there at the moment, based at least on Alonso's positions car anyway. and Alonso's car. Stroll's getting up to speed for sure. Um, you know, if they keep pushing forward on a good rate, then hey, they could they could stay in that place. But yeah, when they said that, meanwhile, Mercedes, Ferrari, even Alpine are starting to make lots of rates. noises. Yeah, and McLaren, like everyone, I'm just like, I'm worried that they're going to end up being a sitting duck, but let's hope not because it's been fun. It has been incredibly fun. And I saw Fernando Alonso driving his his favorite car in the world a dbx dbx or dbx 707 i saw a dbx okay um because it was in like a gloss black sure so I, and i've seen a lot of dbx 707s driving around and they're all i always almost feel like because it's that almost ultimate aston martin suv a lot of people go crazy with the the q spec and a lot of them are like these unique satin paint finishes and i wonder if when alonso signed and it was written in like you have to drive an aston martin like he wants to doesn't he he just like he just got punted a dbx they couldn't sell because it was just like a gloss black car it's a generic i didn't see the exhaust tips which obviously is like a dead giveaway with that rear diffuser but he cruised past and they're Ah, like Alonso, and he like kind of did like a U-turn and carried on going back. I think if you live down here, like there's there's very limiting things to do, especially during the day. So obviously Toto popping into his local touristy shop, Alonso coming in to to check out the tarmac smoothness. I don't know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alonso probably would be going. Where can I launch it in this place? <laughs> they actually they showed the 2008 race. Uh, when was it? Oh, a few days ago as the live stream. Uh, you can go back and watch one of the best Monaco Grand Prix of recent years. And then right at the start, Alonso. Recent just, years, 15 years ago, Sam. <laughs> 2008. God. 
Time flies. <laughs> um, Alonso just sends it up the inside. I think it's Heidfeld when he's in dodgy Renault years, like obviously like out of frustration, like the move is just not on. Yeah. But he, and now Alonso today would be like, never. Yeah. I'm more calculated than this. <laughs> this would not happen. Um, so it's quite good to see that even back then he was uh, not the perfect uh, image of himself that he presents today. But yeah, I guess our, our tip on that is if you want to see F1 drivers and Monaco like in a kind of raw way, mm. come for the weekend or the Monday and Tuesday before the Grand Prix. But yeah, I have to stay. I think we've known that for quite a few years because going back to my car spotting days and coming into Monaco for April for top marks and then knowing that the Grand Prix was coming in May, there was always this this build up on the Monday, the Tuesday and the Wednesday and evenings uh, were the sort of prime time. And you had, I remember Jensen Button cruising around in his McLaren P1. You had Felipe Massa cruising around in his LaFerrari. So there were always these images coming out of F1 drivers driving their, their special cars around. And I, I feel like over the more recent years, we've lost that a little bit. But this year in particular, and maybe it has been helped by Imola, a lot of the drivers have been seen cruising around. Did you see Lando, Walking around. Lando Norris in, in that LT. little... No, oh, no, in the Fiat. Yeah, in the little Is it a blue one? one? Yeah. That's insane. Did you see it? Or I've I seen saw, photos of it. And I've seen the car. Yeah. And I went, oh, look, the cool car. And it was parked basically next to us. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, because he was cruising around there. So that was Lando and he was there with a couple of his friends. Uh, so he must have just been chilling. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. probably didn't even realise. I didn't yeah. even notice. Yeah. Uh, what a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but like, obviously, we as Lewis Hamilton fans um, know that over we many... We know where he lives. <laughs> many, um, <laughs> I thought you were going to be we know his apartment. <laughs> we're just being but, respectful and not going there. <laughs> but, me, the but many years, obviously after the Saturday, it was it was famous for him to take his Zonda out if he had a good qualifying session. Yeah, if he was on pole, he would do yeah. a victory lap in his Zonda. So I, I was like, come on, like the driver's got to bring that back like bring back this sort of rock star image these super human formula one drivers driving the coolest craziest road cars i want to see alonso in a valkyrie i want to see all of these drivers uh ocon in an a110r <laughs> <laughs> maybe i did see that because i saw an a110r yeah. <laughs> did you could have been ocon it probably oh was. my god i'm missing all the drivers I literally, so yeah i've seen toto wolf i'm pretty sure i've seen gasly um obviously Lando, could have been Seb Delaney. <laughs> yeah could well have been Same <laughs> yeah i was actually in a car with him and I was like hey it's Gasly <laughs> um, I think Seb has seen a few drivers obviously Formula E was here a couple of weeks ago yeah, yeah. Um, so I bumped into a few Formula E drivers as well which um, was, was quite cool and also surreal because you're seeing these people that notoriously are on television putting their helmets on and getting in these cars and and sometimes it's actually hard when you're watching the cars driving around to go that is being controlled that's and a person a, a, a person is piloting that and so when you see them in normal clothes doing very normal things you're like hmm, this is quite a cool experience yeah. actually you're just a normal bloke i yeah. could probably do what you do <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I touched on it, I teased it at the beginning. Monica, obviously famously known as the crown jewel in the <laughs> F1 crown. Oh, the, yeah. the, jewel in the, the jewel in F1's crown. Anyway, uh, it's the spectacle. It's, it's, it's the one that everyone knows, the one that everyone always kind of wants to attend. It the is. The glitz and the glamour, it seems to always the be. Yachts. Yeah, at the same time as Cam Film Festival, you get lots of celebs. However... DiCaprio's Has that coming. kind of DiCaprio's coming? Yeah, this weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah, he will be, won't he? Because yeah. he literally was in Cannes yeah. yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh my god! So there's a there's a lot of cool people actually. I just there's literally a, I a, just realised. Yeah, a lot of cool people. Yeah, I'm now getting really excited. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I've had the, I've had the scoop from Seb. Oh, I, really I know where they're slept. all going for uh, the Sunday night, uh, Saturday night, and Sunday night. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but my question was going to be with Vegas, mm-hmm. Miami. Yep. Obviously, Singapore and Abu Dhabi doing their part over the recent yeah, years, but yeah. the increase or the influx in American viewers and. Does Monaco still hold its place, especially because, as we know, even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince—they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com/host. Oh, the Sunday race now dead. Yeah, I would say yes. I th- I still think Monaco is 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 the number one Grand Prix to attend <gasps> and I th- wow okay. i do i really? do yeah because i think i think it's it's the whole experience and the weekend and you're forgetting that the race really is but an hour and a half maximum two hours of the weekend mm-hmm. and so you've got this tiny little city its own principality that fundamentally transforms into a race racetrack and you have so many ways to watch, to consume. The hotels put on a show. There's parties every night. We've been lucky enough to experience the whole... Monaco itself is a bubble, right? You come down here and you're walking through going, how is this real life? This tiny little place with skyscrapers built into the mountains. You've got the sea there. They're building a bloody island on it now. And I'm hearing some amazing things about that. And on the on the actual weekend, from Thursday to Sunday, there's, there's just this almost additional bubble where you can go down to the to the pit lane and the start finish which fundamentally becomes a street party you've got all of the fans that spill out onto the track you can walk the fairmont hairpin right after you can pick the rubber up from the side there's not many racetracks where you can do that and i actually think if the american audience is growing i'm not necessarily 
sure it's the American audience that are excited about Miami and Vegas. I think the American audience love Europe and love coming over here and it would give them more of an excuse to come and visit a place like Monaco to experience it for the Formula One weekend. I think it's a lot of the the European and everyone outside of um, America that go, oh my God, we're racing in, in Vegas. I actually think a lot of Americans don't really like Vegas. I think Vegas is the dump. Yes, uh, so do I. <laughs> but I'm going to completely disagree with you. I think Monaco's the worst race to attend of the entire year. What? A, a million percent. All right. I will start listing off the reasons. Firstly, yes, we have had amazing access. No, no, no. It's, well, no I, I, I'm, not I, I, argue, I'm not talking about the access. I actually wasn't bringing wait, access into wait. it. Wait, Because price point, firstly... But secondly, general public access, like if you're going to a grandstand seat, Monaco is one of the worst for visibility. Yeah. You get the tiniest percentage of circuit to actually look at. There are such few grandstands that give you more than a straight or a corner to view. Yeah. So you've got two hours of... And then maybe a minute until you see the cars come around again. Okay, fine, it's the race elongates, you get back markers, you get field spread, whatever. But as we know, the Grand Prix historically doesn't see a lot of action. Now... People are going to come back and rebuke me and say, oh, what about the year that Hamilton lost power? Ricardo <laughs> lost power. And there are, of course, exceptions. And I'm an F1 fan and I watch every single year, even though I know not a lot might happen. And there are things to still be excited about. But in general, it's usually a pretty processional race these days. So your visibility of the track, crap. Your access to Monaco, if you're not staying here, fairly crap. If you look at TikToks and Instagrams and stories of people getting on the train from Nice into Monaco at a Grand Prix weekend, it looks horrific. Yeah. Then you're having to walk around absolutely everywhere because there's no transport network in place. So if you arrive at the, the station and you've got to get to the, I don't know, grandstand at Tobacco or whatever, like you've got a schlep, you've got yeah. a, a long schlep. Everything is expensive. Every restaurant, every sales stand, <laughs> every hotel. Like, so prices are through the roof. And we spoke about it on the main podcast, which goes live in a few days on the, this channel, um, the, the them and us at Monaco is worse than any other Grand Prix because usually at a Grand Prix, there's the paddock, there's the paddock club, there's certain hospitalities beyond that, which is like, I'm sorry, you can't come in, this is invited guests. But go to Spa, you can get general access. Go to Monza, you can get general access. And you can stand in various places and see stuff going on and you can walk around the whole track. Monaco, almost everywhere is, sorry, sir, you don't have the right access. Yeah. And that stretches after the actual Grand Prix. So the only saving points I would say are the huge saving points that firstly, it's Monaco. Yeah. We biasedly love this place. Secondly, absolutely. You're right. It's mind boggling when you arrive here that there is a formula one circuit amongst these streets. Thirdly, that yes, you can walk or drive the circuit, not only in the build-up to the race, but between Grand Prix sessions. Like literally 5, 6 p.m., gates open, off you go, just driving the track. And as you say, with the rubber that's been discarded from Formula One tyres, that on a Saturday night, after qualifying ahead of a race, the entire circuit, or in certain sections, is literally a club. Like they set up bar stools, music, dancing, there were girls on podiums, like insanity. And you're like, people are going to be racing here tomorrow. Like, <laughs> is this alcohol not slippery? Because it's all over the floor. So <laughs> the madness of it is what makes it amazing. And on a sunny day, it's the most beautiful place to be around those. Like, it, everything is great, but, but, but if you are wealthy enough to get in and do it well. I mean, 
a lot of valid points. A lot of valid points. I was coming from the perspective of how, in in recent times, I've most enjoyed the weekend, which actually doesn't include trying to watch the race live. So I would probably want to have a, a place like this, a TV there that you can tune in and watch the Formula One, the qualifying and the race. And then as soon as you know that the race is finished and the roads are opening up, you can drive down. I know parking is a bit of a mess, but then you can, I just love walking around and soaking up the atmosphere. And we don't really go out and, and party that much. And I actually- Speak for yourself. <laughs> I actually just quite like walking around and, and soaking the atmosphere up. We've done it many a time where you just you just walk down to Raskas and you can just see this huge street party <laughs> and you, you walk through all of these incredible yachts and you just people watch. You just people watch. And then you go car spotting. And one restaurant in particular, Sam, that you completely forgot about is McDonald's. <laughs> they do not raise the prices and they do not halve the menu. But yeah, you're right. We have experience going into some of our favorite restaurants in Monaco where they literally reduce the menu to about 10% of what they normally offer and then times the price by three. Which is insanity. It is, yeah. So I think we love this weekend for many reasons that aren't the actual Grand Prix them itself. Yes. Uh, and and so therefore I don't want to recommend people come and this is the Grand Prix you want to I take. know, yeah, I it's know what a, you mean. It's an experience. And yes, to be here is incredible. And it has this kind of unique buzz and vibe. But if you are looking at the calendar going, right, which race should I attend? You're going to come and be like, I didn't really see the, like, where was the race? Like, what happened? Like, I know, yeah. So that's that's what I'm saying. Like, you're going to spend a ton of money. Basically, just ask around and get invited by, like, I don't know what you have to do. <laughs> Set up a dodgy Instagram page where you stand by cars and, like, give a thumbs up and then, and then get invited by somebody. Because, because that, when you have that experience, then it is the best Grand Prix <laughs> so, in the world. Do you want to hear a, a funny and quite silly story, I think, is probably Please, the best way to describe always. it. Because we have been lucky enough to experience Monaco to see the cars actually race. And I've seen it from the Fairmont Hotel. We've just start seen, listing it off, Paul. We've seen start listing qualifying it off. from like a rooftop just after the first corner. I got in, meters from in, the track. <laughs> invited. Yeah, we could have literally thrown a banana skin out there and watched the card spin out. Um, I got invited on uh, a boat with Roger Dubuis. Sick. And they were hosting guests for their run to Monaco. So it was a supercar drive from Paris down to Monaco. And I was thinking, oh my God, I'm about to tick a bucket list. I'm going to watch the Monaco Grand Prix from a boat and I'm going to have the cars whizzing past the back of the boat and I'm just going to be in complete dreamland. What I didn't realize was the boat didn't have quite the, uh, uh, what's the word? A favorable mooring position. Sure. So the bowing point was actually right in the middle of the marina. I had no visibility of the track whatsoever. And they literally had like an 18 inch iPad on the <laughs> wall playing the race. But it was like they were streaming the race. So you could hear the car go past you through the swimming pool section. And then you'd look up at the TV and about four or five seconds left, you'd be like, oh, that was um, Charlotte Club. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was so out of sync. And I was like, this is a complete letdown to what I built up in my brain as to what it was going to be like. And um, I, yeah, I can imagine it would be incredible to be on a boat 
right on that sort of front line, watching the cars zip past, but um, it didn't quite live up to the expectations. Because- this is going to make us sound even more out of touch. So from Paul's Roger Dewey <laughs> on a yacht in Monaco disaster, I'll give you two more, but th- I, I'll, I'll caveat it by saying this is trying to explain the level of access you need at Monaco to actually have a truly special experience where other circuits, you can have a much limited and get, get more. So <laughs> firstly, do you remember the first time we came <laughs> yeah, down? Oh, I remember. <laughs> so uh, Paul and I came down for the Grand Prix weekend to do everything that Paul has spoken about that's aside from actually the Grand Prix. So we had no access. We just wanted to go car spotting. We wanted to go car spotting. We wanted to see Hamilton and Zonda. Like we just wanted to be around. We thought, well, maybe once we're there, maybe we'll meet some people or we'll be able to find a way to like get some access. Once I made it down, uh, I was speaking to my dad. He said, oh, what are your plans? I said, oh, we're here for the Grand Prix weekend. And I don't really know. Sam's dad is Prince Albert, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Close enough. Anyway, so I said, look, we we don't know if we're going to watch the race because we haven't got any tickets. He goes, oh, would you like me to to call around and see if I know anyone? I said, yeah, sure. Like ask around. (laughs) And uh, later that afternoon, he calls back and turns out, classic dad, (laughs) spoken to somebody in the Monaco Royal Family. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, uh, this looks like I'm going to put you in touch. This is Prince blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think they can sort you out. You have fun. And I was like, cheers, dad. Like, classic you. And I get an email. This is the secretary of Prince blah, 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 blah. Uh, He's able to get you a pass for the Sunday. Uh, you just need to go to the um, uh, palace. Boat. No, it was a yacht. It was a boat in the harbour to collect it. So I went, great. I said, uh, just to check, is it uh, is it two passes? I'm here with my, my friend. And they went, I'm sorry, it's one. Yeah. So I messaged my dad and I'm like, oh, dad, it's like, the guy's only got one pass. I'm here with Paul. Like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm good. Like, I don't even know what it is. And my, this is a very my family thing to do, which is like, oh no, we've called in the favour now. Yeah, you, you've got to take it. You're like, going. Like, like, <laughs> I've spoken to the royal family. <laughs> you can't turn And the them royal down. family, two days before the Grand Prix, being like, sure, I'll get a pass for your son. <laughs> and they're just going to go, I'm not interested. I actually think I told you exactly the yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm not sure this is something you can say yes or no to. <laughs> I'm like, dad, I'm not that fast. Yeah. Like, you're going. <laughs> so off I went, I picked up this pass and the pass like super nondescript. It didn't tell me where I had to be, like what it was access to, but it like looked super official so I just start walking towards the track and everyone I show it to they're like please please come through like every road <laughs> lift. and I get ushered up to the uh, ACM the Automobile Club Monaco or whatever yeah. uh, which is on the start finish straight it's above race control and it's a viewing platform literally above the start line <laughs> literally you can see if you look on TV coverage or if you're over here at Monaco it's this kind of circular building it's a level on the top and I get up there now this sounds awful <laughs> But I mean, this is what the royal family watched. I mean, like, this is ridiculous. There's nowhere to sit. There's no food. No TV. There's no drink. No TV. And it was, do you remember, it was like 27 or 28 degrees. It was hot. And I remember texting you being like, I don't know anyone here. Yeah. It's, I can't really see anything. Like if I, if I go to the one side, I can kind of look down and see the start line. If I go to the other side, I can see the cars coming through. I guess it was tobacco going into the swimming pool. Like, cool, but I was like craning my neck and everyone else was already there because I was arriving late. And you were like, oh, dude, like I ended up going to the Fairmont with Yanni. I got a view of the hairpin. I was like, oh my God. So that was firstly a disaster. I mean, the royal family gave me a pass and it was actually crap. And I say like, I felt unwanted or like like, one thing. And then the other one is Formula One themselves. Do you remember I did that? hilarious advertising campaign, which is actually an amazing opportunity. They got like a load of super fans to come in and like tell their story of how they like found from the uh, one. Oh, yes. And it ended up looking like I was in some weird dodgy porno with like some <laughs> stuff getting spread in my face. <laughs> Somewhere on my Instagram if you want to go and have a real laugh. Um, but off the back of it, they said, look, if you ever want to attend a race, let us know. So I said, oh, I'm going to be in Monaco and you know, I'd love to attend. So they said, great, we'll sort all the passes. And I went to collect the passes and it said a paddock pass. And I was like, brilliant. And I was yeah. like, but I'd, at that point I'd been to enough races that I was like, 
is there, have you got a paddock club or, or they went, no, 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 this is the passes. And I was like, that's kind of weird because they are very separate things. And, yeah. and a paddock pass is just for the paddock. You need to be invited by a team into one of the motorhomes. The paddock club is a separate area, which is hospitality with food and drink. There's no grandstand in the paddock. There's often no TVs in the paddock. Like, so I was like, this is super weird, but maybe I'll get there and I'll meet someone. So I was actually with Vicky and I'd, like we've done like F1. And we get there and the paddock in Monaco is off to the side where Stars and Bars, a great diner oh, is located. Fantastic. But away from the track, up near Raskas, the final corner. And we check in, beep. And we're in the paddock. I'm like, God, you, you, know I mean? you can't see the track here. There's no TV. Okay, fine. There's You're the, actually miles away from the track. Yeah, there's, like, there's the interview pen. So that's kind of cool. I can see the drivers. Like that's, that's cool. And I was walking up and down, like looking for like a Formula One hospitality or something like that. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe these are like super passes because they've come from F1. So yeah. I just like walk up to the McLaren motorhome. They're like, hello, sir. And I went, hi. And I show the pass. They went, do you have a McLaren uh, invite? And I went, no, do I need a separate invite? They're like, I'm so sorry. It's only for invited guests. I was like, oh, right. So I try like Ferrari. I try like, I, at that time I must be in Force India. They're all saying the same thing. So I send an email to the people and I'm like, hey, like, I don't want to sound rude, but like, where, can where else go? can I go? Because I'm just in the paddock and I can't really see it. And they reply saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry. This has been a mistake from our end. It's a, I'm afraid it's too late, but you can enjoy the paddock. And I'm, and I'm like, so I just stand in the paddock? Like, obviously I did. Like, yeah. I stood there, made Vicky stand there for like two hours. While I'm like, there's a driver, there's a driver. But again, so this is now us sounding super out of touch and ungrateful. But my point being, even when you get these hookups, incredible watch companies, yeah. boats in Monaco, royal families and Formula One themselves, you still need more. So I think, wait until you have more. Like, I want to be at every party. I want to be like, sleeping on the boat. I want the boat to be next to the track. I want the drivers to come and shake my hand. Like then, then you're doing Monaco. Like that's Brad literally sitting next Prince, to you. Prince Albert and that's Apparently it. not. Because <laughs> yeah. I was with him. <laughs> it was boring. Okay, so how would you build the ultimate Monaco Formula One weekend? Here we go. Here we go. Go on. So maybe- Based should, on our experience, yeah. surely we can create the ultimate package. So I would say- fly in to Lyon, Milan, Marseille. Mm -hmm. Pick up a cool car. Like a rental car. Yeah, pick up a cool rental car or yeah, yeah, pick up a cool rental car. Yeah. Drive down or along the coast into Monaco. Not you, into Monaco though, right? No, no, into Monaco. Into I'm, Monaco. I'm, saying, I'm saying fly on the Friday. Fly, fly on the, yeah, fly on the Thursday or the Friday. Okay. Drive across. You want to be in one of the prime hotels in central Monaco. So around Casino Square, Metropole, like okay. in, in, in Monaco. <laughs> We're working off about a 20 grand budget here. Oh yeah, but you said the ultimate package. Yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, because there's, what I'm <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is there is no general average Joe access. Like the average Joe sitting on the hill up to Mo the Monaco I Castle. I see what you mean, yeah. That is not, a thing. firstly, that is one of the most expensive tickets yeah. of the year. Yeah. And you're sitting on a hill with nothing, overlooking, okay, quite a bit of the track, but you've got, like, it's, that's not good. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. good. So to build the ultimate package is the $250,000 package. Oh, uh, okay, all right. There's no other option. There's no yeah. other way to do it. Because okay. even if you get what you think is good, oh, I've got Paddock Club from Monaco. Well, but yeah, but what are you doing after the Grand Prix? Mm. Because actually where you want to be is the club where Danny Rick is hanging out with Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. and in walks 
I don't know female celebrities, but in they come. You know, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, and then yeah. you're like, I'm living the Monaco life. Yeah. And Charlotte Claire's puking on your shoulder and <laughs> you're having to carry Felipe Massa home. And, you know, that's the kind of, then you're doing Monaco. Yeah, okay. But it's so reserved for the few. Yeah. The, the, anyway, I was, I, I was thinking more of like, how can you do Monaco as like an ultimate experience without spending crazy you money? You don't. I, I genuinely don't think you can. I think okay. we get a kick out of being here because we're nerdy car spotters yeah. and we like everything that's going on around the Grand Prix weekend. But as a Formula One enthusiast or someone who wants to come with their mates or their family, I think you're going to, I personally think you'll be disappointed. Okay. So really you should come to Monaco for the four days in the build-up to the F1 to get a sense of the atmosphere yep. and then just drive straight to Barcelona. Leave on Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Leave on drive Friday straight afternoon. To yeah, straight to Barcelona. Check into a hotel and wait for everyone to come. Even worse, Grand Prix. So wrap, let's wrap things up then by at least talking, I guess, a bit about racing rather than about prices and tickets and how <laughs> out of touch we are with our stupid invites to Grand Prix. Um, do, do we actually think that something is going to happen to the pecking order this weekend? You know, of all the places for Mercedes to bring the I know. In the commas, B-spec car, Monaco, theoretically not the great, greatest place. It's all going to be decided on Saturday because the cars are bigger than ever. Yeah. But do we think we could see some surprises? Could Alonso muscle that car onto the front row and then do another incredible launch and lead the I race? Mean, Potentially, if you think about the the sort of chance of a red flag during Q3, like I think you have to consider. We didn't. What was it before Imola? Miami was Miami when they had the weird. Yeah, it was Miami after the after the qualifying where we got that crazy order that obviously sorted itself out after like lap three. But because in, of the sprint, yeah, huh? Wasn't it a sprint there? Oh, no, it was Azerbaijan. No, God, I'm so confused. <laughs> Why have we been? What's been happening in our lives? But I think I think Monaco can potentially throw up a little bit of a strange starting grid, especially if there's a red flag. And then you kind of think, well, if Alonso is on P1 after their first round of, of qualifying laps and then the red flag throws up and no one can really have the time to put in another lap, then really... So I personally am, have a negative thought that the upgrades aren't really going to show themselves around the Monaco track. I think it's just, it's just far too tight and twisty for them to really exert any more potential out of the upgrades that are coming, but we kind of have to hope for two things, right? We, we have to hope for rain, which potentially could come. Yeah, it's and sure. hopefully it comes halfway through. As in like half the grid have already pitted, the rain comes in, some people have to do a three stop or two stop. Some people will only have to do a one stop. That will start throwing the order up a little bit. And then also potentially a red flag in Q3 that could throw the grid around a little bit, which would then mean the super fast cars like an Aston Martin, a Red Bull uh, would would have to overtake and maybe, oh God. yeah. I mean, hey, look, if anyone's going to be able to do it, you kind of get the feeling it's going to be Verstappen and Alonso. Yeah. We've seen Hamilton get stuck many times before. I mean, I think all of them could get stuck. The cars are huge and the roads are tiny even when you're in a road car. So I'm with you. Like, let's hope for a bit of, upset but I, I there's just a part of me which thinks if because Red Bull won't have their huge DRS advantage theoretically there's not really, really many have their top speed advantage exactly so we know that car's amazing anyway mechanically and, yeah. and around corners but they're still going to have their pace advantage but if there's anywhere that we've got a chance of probably Alonso or Russell 
maybe Hamilton, sneaking onto the front row and then potentially launching past a Red Bull into turn one, it is here. I think. I, think, mm. you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I think let's be sort of realistic, but all these big upgrade packages, I say a track that might not be literally Red Bull's best track ever. Yeah. We've got hope. There is hope in there somewhere. So let's wait and see. You may be listening to this post the Grand Prix and be going, ha, you idiots. Yeah. Verstappen won by four laps. Uh, or you'll be going, God, you guys are geniuses. Literally, Alonso won. Um, uh, but hopefully you would have watched this early on over on Recast uh, and the days ahead of the Grand Prix so that you could get excited with us. Uh, if you haven't watched these episodes before, you've only listened to them, uh, head over to recast.tv forward slash behind the glass to watch these videos uh, about four or five days before they go live audio only. Uh, anyway, we're going to leave it there because as I think Paul's mentioned about 16 times in this uh, episode, Episode. It's sunny outside and he's very excited. So I'm going to let him go into town and do some spotting. I've got to go and rescue my baby from somewhere and <laughs> probably put it to sleep um, or do something. Uh, and probably then, worth putting a disclaimer in that your wife is with the baby. Yes. No, no, no. Of course. Of course. But this is supposed to be time off for her as much as it is work time for me. So we're, we're juggling that. But uh, um, anyway, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you are, as I say, on Recast, keep following us uh, over there. If you're listening to us on another platform, you can do so. Leave us a review and we'll be back with you in a number of weeks. I'm not going to say a couple, but in a number of weeks for our next episode. We do have it scheduled though. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I just can't work out what Grand Prix it's going to be after because I've lost track of all the Grand Prix. So stay tuned <laughs> and we'll be back with you very soon. We're Bye-bye. such pros. <laughs>